to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He leads us into all truth, and that's who we listen to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I am going. To, our lesson tonight is how to multiply in your land. That's what we're calling it, how to multiply in your land. And already we know as women... Um, you are the multiplying factor. You know, you could have a number five, and then uh, you could have the number five next to it with a space, and you know there's supposed to be something in between. If you put a plus sign, it makes it a 10, right? If you put a multiplication sign, it makes it 25. That's a huge difference. If you put a division sign, it makes it one. Is that true? Yeah. So (laughs) it depends what... The element in the middle is between two things decides what happens to it. So, but it's two fives. It's two, the two numbers exist. It's the, the factor in between the two that decides how much you get, how much is produced by those two numbers. You see, we are always the multipliers. Because when God said that, uh, told Adam to be fruitful and multiply, when he told Adam and Eve together, When God wanted things to be good, not just it's okay, it needs to be good like he said for everything else, he brought woman onto the scene. So we are part of that multiplication equation. So we are just not the number added to Adam. We are the multiply, we come with the multiplication sign, right? The multiplication sign don't just show up after we're there. We actually have that sign attached to us. You know, like a negative number and a positive number, the negative number has a negative sign in front of it. That's how you know that's a negative number. Okay, we are the multiplying number of any equation. So you see why it's important what you are made of because what you are made of is brought to the scene of anything there and you determine how much of something occurs. Right. So let's look at this story in um, Luke chapter 19 and verse 13 is what I'm looking at. But I want us to look at Luke 19. um, The story, it starts from 11, from verse 11. At this time, Jesus was getting close. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Let's go to verse, yeah, well, we'll start there. (laughs) At this time, Jesus was getting close to entering Jerusalem. Luke 19. I should wait for you guys to get there. (laughs) Um, The crowds that followed him were convinced that God's kingdom would fully manifest when Jesus established it in Jerusalem. So they had an expectation of Jesus. um, The people that followed Jesus, the crowds, they had an expectation of him. Of what they thought greatness looked like. Just keep that in mind, right? Verse 12. So he told them this story to change their perspective. So here Jesus had people following him with the wrong idea of what he was supposed to do. So it's almost like they were expecting him to do everything for them. That's what um, communism sets people up to think, that the government will do everything for you, right? So it, it disengages people's ability, their capability, what they were created to do gets disengaged because they're waiting for somebody else to do something. So Jesus had to change their perspective, and this is what he did. Here's the story. Once a wealthy prince left his province to travel to a distant land where he would be crowned king and then return. This is a passion, by the way. Before he departed, he summoned his ten servants together and charged them, I am entrusting each of you with $50,000 to invest while I am away. Trade with it and put the money to work until I return. Some of his countrymen despised the prince and sent a delegation after him to declare before the royals, We refuse to let this man rule over us. He will not be our king. Nevertheless, he was crowned king and returned to his land. Then he summoned his ten servants to see how much each one had earned and what their profits came to. 
The first one came forward and said, Master, I took what you gave me and invested it, and it multiplied ten times. Splendid, you have done well, my excellent servant, because you have shown that I can trust you in this small matter. I now grant you authority to rule over ten cities. So one uh, gift from the, the master that he multiplied ten times gave him a city for each time it was multiplied. The second came and said, Master, what you left with me has multiplied five times. His master said, I also grant you authority in my kingdom over five cities. So the multiplying factor that they multiplied by is what they were given authority over, that many things, right? Another came before the king and said, Master, here is the money you entrusted to me. I hid it for safekeeping. You see, I live in fear of you, for everyone knows you are a strict master and impossible to please. You push us for a high return on all that you own, and you always want to gain from someone else's efforts. The king said, you wicked servant, I will judge you using your own words. If what you said about me is true, that I'm a harsh man pushing you for a high return and wanting gain from others' efforts, why didn't you at least put my money in the bank to earn some interest on it? The king said to his other servants, take the money he has and give it to the faithful servant who multiplied my money ten times over. Now here is the earthly thinking of many. Here's what they said, but master... The other servants objected. Why give it to him? He, he already has so much. This is what I call the it's not fair principle. Yes, replied the king, but to all who have been faithful, I will, even more, I will give even more to them. And for the ones who have nothing, even the little they seem to have, I will take from them. Now bring all those rebellious enemies of mine who rejected me as their king. Bring them here before me and execute them. (laughs) Now, the verse 13 in the, I want to go back to verse 13 for a minute. In the King James. Because I like how it says it there better. Verse 13 in the King James, the reason they were given these tal- these, this money, right, this investment, he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, do business till I come. Well, the real King James says, occupy till I come, right? Now, if we were to take this parable as women and consider how we are to behave, then we would... Invest every single thing that God has given us to multiply it, to produce more. So when God visits us and asks for us to give an account of what we've done with what he's given us, we have something to give to him. And we're not telling him that we protected your gift inside of us but we didn't do anything with it because we were afraid. Now, in this case, he said he was afraid of the master and his harsh words and everything else. Mind you, he had no impression of the master except what people said. If you read the story carefully, you see it's people who didn't like this person to be their king were saying things about the person. He didn't experience that. He experienced, he experienced equal gifting because the, the master gave him the same amount that he gave everybody else. They all got the same amount. The production of what occurred was, was based on the person who did something with what they were given. You see the difference? So, so in, front, in front of each servant's name, let's put the multiplying factor. This man multiplied... The, the evil words that he heard about the master, it left him with no increase. Whereas the ones who did something with it, it not only gave them an increase times multiple, but it also, because they increased, they were given cities 
city, imagine a whole city. Imagine being given Hershey, Lebanon, Palmyra, you know what I'm saying, Myerstown. Count ten cities from where they were. And this was all under the king's jurisdiction. You understand? So we have to know that God is our king, right? Well, Jesus is the king. But, if, but God that we serve, his kingdom is over all kingdoms. So he owns everything. So when we are multiplying something he gave to us, his reward for us is open to anything that he owns. Do you see how this works? So the reward is not the thing we're multiplying. That's not the reward. That's the effort we're putting in and that's the product we're producing for the kingdom of God. The reward is when he looks at it, he says, wait a minute, because you've done this, I'll give you this. You see, so our king owns everything or he knows the people who own the stuff that's overseeing everything too, right? And so he has, he has the ability to make good on his word. This is key. So in other words, God's word, the Bible says it's been tried by fire seven times. God's word has been investigated has been thoroughly vetted and has already been tried. So we never try God's word. We always do God's word. So when, when somebody, if somebody's giving you an instruction from God's word, and you say, well, I'll try that. Change your vocabulary. You are negating the multiplication effort, the multiplication factor that could occur when you do the instruction. Okay, because what you're saying is, I have to evaluate whether what you're saying is true, and I have to see if I like it and if it's going to work. Well, that right there, you have a problem. <laughs> so you should fix that problem. What I want you to get out of tonight is, I want you to identify any thinking or any processes that you have in place that negates, nullifies, or... Um, puts impurities in the pure multiplication factor that you were given by God. So one of the things that, as I was looking at this, I, I, I was looking at the story of um, Abraham. And of Abraham and Lot. So when in Luke, in Genesis chapter 11, we see, if you go to Genesis 11, um, actually Genesis 13 and chapter 7, because 11 is where his story starts, uh, Abraham's story. But let's go to Genesis 13, two chapters later. And... Uh, Verse 6 to 7. There's I right there. <laughs> we were discussing I earlier. Um, the AI, the country name AI. <laughs> okay, so um, in, in Genesis 13, if we look at verse 5, Lot also who went with Abraham had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. So imagine they're in a territory and two people, two head of households had so much stuff that a land, a territory like let's say Palmyra could not support both of them living there. That's how much they had. And then people are, are you know, having an issue with Christians being prosperous well i mean my gosh this is the two of them now getting to know who god is they were i mean they couldn't be called christians either it wasn't that time they weren't yet christian they didn't exist you understand so the the uh, by the way that whole prosperity negative prosperity idea 
hinders your multiplication factor. So if you have a negative thoughts about prosperity, it's because of what you heard other people do with it. You see how this sneaks in. That's an impurity. And it gave you a mindset. And it gave you mistrust when it comes to prosperity. And so that diminishes your multiplication factor. That's what happens. So you could have a lot and you don't get as much accomplished with somebody who doesn't have as much as you do, but they do so much more. It's because of that impurity. Because we are, because we are free will thinking beings created in the image of God, we, we, we're not going to get the free will thing and then decide that we can blame God for something not happening. Like that, you can't do that. You can't have it both ways. You understand what I'm saying? When God gave you free will plus 66 books of his word that's been tried by fire. If you can't multiply with that, then there's a problem. And the problem is not God and his word. Do you understand? The problem is an influence from an outside source that's telling you things about God and his word that's not true. That's what this servant listened to. He listened to people saying that this master, who gave him, mind you, mind you, the people who were telling him this most likely didn't get anything from the master. So he was listening to them. The people without, he was listening to them tell him about this man that was generous to him. You see how crazy this stuff is? And as a result, he could not produce. He could only hide. He could only cover up. He could keep it safe. He thought keeping it safe was, no, was noble. But that was not the instruction. That was disobedience. The master didn't tell him to keep it safe. He basically told them, occupy, make this thing multiply till I come. So there was no ending given to it. It's supposed to perpetually multiply. The first servant gave the multiplication for he did 10 times. So his multiplication factor was faster and more robust. It happened it occurred, his turn time was faster than the guy who did five times. His turn time was slower than the guy who, but they had the same money. They had the same investment. Do you see? So when you're not producing in your life, when, when things aren't happening, it has nothing to do with somebody else. But that's what the devil wants you to think. The devil wants you to think that it will never be better because of the people you know. So you stop even trying. And you become complacent, and you become a whiny baby, <laughs> is what happens. And you have hopeless speech. I heard a lot of hopeless speech the last couple of days. But that's because you've been subject to an environment where nobody else speaks hope. So it's like, what are we going to do? I guess, what are you going to do? I guess, what, well, I'll do something. <laughs> I don't waste my time. I do something. Okay. So, uh, so, so let's, if we go down in verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes. And so here's the story part I want you to know. One of the elements to decrease your multiplication speed, right, is strife. So let's put it here. In your house. And when I say house, I mean your life. And everything about you. Okay? Is strife there? If strife is there, it has to be solved. 
the longer strife stays in an environment, the more loss will occur. The more hopelessness will occur. The more of the devil's agenda will have room to be fulfilled. I think it's Ephesians where it says where there's... um, where there's strivings and something else, there's every evil work. So strife brings in every evil work. It's like the door to evil. Strife is the door to evil. That will post on social media right there. Strife is a door to evil. What starts war? Wars. Right? So every form of evil, you know those evil things that you think, oh, those people are so bad that they commit these sins against children and all that. Guess what? You got strife in your house, all that's possible. You've just made every sin possible to enter your environment because of strife. Abraham was in the right. He was the leader of the whole thing. So he had first choice. But you know what he did? He said, listen, let's make a decision now. You go here, I go here. You go there, you do make first choice. But let, because we're family, let's not strive. As much as it's up to you, the Bible says, make peace. As much as it's up to you, make peace. Right? So sometimes it's not wise to fight for your right. <laughs> because that fighting for your right part may be where you're fighting for something because it's being, put, it's being poised as... It's the only option. And if you don't get it, you're going to lose something major. You have to fight for your, for your multiplication to be, to be um, not hindered. That's how I want you to look at it. So instead of Abraham fighting for land and for wells and all this stuff, he just told him, look, we need to split up. Our resources are too much for this environment. Let's find two separate places to work in. You see, that was the solution. And we know that the relationship was not fractured because when Lot and his family were in trouble, Abraham went to rescue them. He fought five kings to save his nephew and his family. Do you see? So you fight for your family, but don't fight with your family. You see the difference? You always fight for them, but not with them. But the devil wants you to fight with them. So, and, and here's the disguise. Because I just don't want him to go to, you know, get lost. Well, okay. The earth is not, there's no holes anywhere in the earth. They're not going to fall through. <laughs> you got to keep them up in the spirit. You got to fight for them in the spirit realm. But you can't fight in the spirit realm and be productive like you should be if you're carrying strife in the other hand. Because for every act of God you're trying to do, every evil work is on this hand. Or undoing everything you're trying to do. You see? So the tools, that el- the element, the tools that you need in your house in abundant supply. This must be abundantly supplied in your house. Okay? Is quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. If you don't have a muscle memory developed on forgiveness, that means you you base forgiveness on your emotion. Like you couldn't just forgive. Imagine 70 times 7 forgiveness in a day. How can you think that many times to forgive and not be exhausted? <laughs> that's, imagine making 70 times 70 decisions to forgive. You have to get forgiveness out of decision-making mode. It has to be who you are. Like imagine having to think, that your heart has to beat, my heart has to beat, my heart has to beat, my heart has to beat. Only a sick heart, a person with a sick heart, would have those thoughts, right? 
Come on, heart, you can make it. Come on, heart, you can make it, right? But a person whose heart is functioning fine, you don't ever hear them walking around. Come on, come on. One, two, three. Because <laughs> that will consume their whole life. All they're trying to do is let their heart beat. I mean, much less the other organs that got to function. Come on, kidneys. Come on. You can, I mean, like, imagine if we had to tell our whole bodies, every organ we had to speak to it to tell what to do. Like, huh? Think about a diabetic person that has to check their blood sugar all the that is like, when I had both boys, I was, I had, you know, that gestational diabetes or whatever. They were like, oh, it doesn't mean you have diabetes. It's just a hormone that gets triggered. And then it, I'm like, so that, here I am, you know, wake up in the morning. I, you know, after like day three, I'm like, you know what? This is banana. I ain't doing this. And then I thought, how do people who have diabetes do this? Like for the whole, no way. <laughs> like, listen, I'm going to have a plan where I can figure this out and it can work. I am not pricking my fingers four or five times a day so I could see what the what am I going to do about the number when it shows up like what am I supposed to do (laughs) so yeah and 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 the the thing they tell you the reason you want to do that is because you're going to have a 10 pound baby or you're going to you know I'm like look here it's going to be fine they were both fine you know what I'm saying but 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 all these things come into play where it takes up your time and your energy to focus on it so you do it right. It's not supposed to be. You should give no thought to the fact that you are forgiving somebody. It should happen in the moment. You know, uh, the person that went with me to the meeting I, talk, I talked about earlier with the, exe- the big name person in the place. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sitting there and they're speaking all these things. They were so rude and disrespectful. It was appalling and it was shocking at the same time. Um, and so I'm sitting there and I'm, dipl- I'm calmly saying things uh, against what they're saying, but in such a calm way that the person that went with me was like, like, wow, you should see her. She was so smooth. <laughs> she was just like, it was like nothing happened. She was just talking normal and they kept going on and on. And she was, I said, but did you see when I sat up in the chair and I nudged a little at the end? I said, that's as, aggress- as aggressive as you'll see me get. That means now I'm really ticked off. <laughs> and I said, and did you see me use both hands then? And I started using both hands like that. And, it's, and my arms kept going out further and further. Like, if I could touch you right now, it wouldn't look really nice. <laughs> but I still kept my voice even. I still said full-fledged words that were very, you know, solid. And you didn't have to wonder what they meant. But I smiled the whole time and said what I had to say. You see? So you, I wasn't always like that. But I got there, right? So you have to learn the things that you should, that should become part of who you are that does not take up your day. So that you could multiply in that day something new. You could do some, you could grow in something. You could pre, you could make something better before the end of the day. You understand? So quick to forgive and then love walks solid. How about that? Right? So you got to have a solid love walk. What does that look like? It includes forgiveness. And it's free from wrong judgment. Right? So... uh, So what the devil will do is he will, when somebody does something out of place, the devil will bring up all their wrong behavior to make you make a judgment that that's why they did it. And if you're frustrated with that person, you're going to accept it as, yeah, that's why they did it. I know them. I know that's So that happened to me this week. I fell in, I I fell into that trap and I had to apologize to the child, this very active child. <laughs> we got a phone call that they were missing in school from the teacher. The teacher says, I looked everywhere for them and I cannot find them. They're missing. Their bag is here, but they're gone. After recess, they never showed back up to class. We're, we've looked everywhere and we can't find them. So now that's a problem. But of course... 
this child is very mischievous. So automatically the thoughts were, they probably left school. And they're probably out somewhere doing something or whatever. So we called the home. We were away from home. We called the home to see if they were there, happened to be there, but they were not. So nobody can find them. So we proceed to go home. After we were there for a little bit, somebody saw the child, like, sneaking around on the outside with minimal clothing on and all this. So, you know, <laughs> so the child sneaking around. You know, all these pictures are being painted, like, what did they do? And we're calling them. You're not coming. Well, the child went to the bathroom and there was no toilet paper. That changes the whole thing now, doesn't it? So first the child told us that the principal sent them home. We're like, well, now really, what did you do? <laughs> and then they explained, right? So imagine you go to a school, they don't have toilet paper. That's the norm apparently which we tell them to take it in their bags. But the child's bag was in the class because this happened at recess. They don't take their bags out to recess. So you see the pit. So we had to say, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh. You see how the, you see how easy it is to get caught in a trap like that? Because you're, you're already like, what did they do? <laughs> and then here, something like you would never imagine happened. Do you see? But for that moment that we're judging and carrying on, we have removed ourselves as protector or watch over of this child, which is our job. And now we're like, where did they go? Da, da, da. You see? You see how easy it is? But here's the key. Can you flip right back where you're supposed to be if you ever get off track? That's the thing you want to do. You can't dwell in the mistake. So now you can't condemn yourself like, oh my gosh, I'm such a terrible person. Because that's the opposite. That's still keeping you in that crazy place. Do you see? So you have to be able to get back to full multiplication factor. This is the secret. This is how everything you touch, everything you're involved in, every person's life you speak into, it multiplies by, by and it keeps increasing. The factors of multiplication in a person's life happens quickly as you get better at the different, the basic things. The quick to forgive, the love walk is solid, and you, you really sort out the wrong judgment thing. So for me, that made me think, wait a minute, that was too quick for me to jump to that conclusion. So I need to examine that part of my processing to make sure I never fall in that trap again. You see? So you have to, so you self-correct because you have free will. You get to self-correct. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. He can be the teacher that shows us how to walk the straight and narrow and not get sidetracked. Because these, these events, you know, somebody messes up, it takes them like, I don't know, weeks, years, months, days, whatever to, um, it's almost like they have to beat themselves up long enough till they feel like they, did enough damage. I don't do that. I go, oh, shoot, I just did something wrong. Lord, forgive me. Show me how not to do it again. Take anything in, out of me that was deposited from that, and let's move on. That's me. I don't punish myself for it. <laughs> Jesus' blood was shed, so things like this could be erased from us if we ask. We have to repent and ask. Right? We can't pay the penance for our wrongdoing for our sin we can't, we can't it's not available it's not an option the devil makes it an option but god didn't god has the blood of jesus for those things to be erased so if we don't get that principle properly we start blaming ourselves for all kinds of crazy stuff and then we get stuck right but here's the thing here's the problem with a household of children, you don't get stuck for you. You pass on that stuckness to your children. That's the problem. You know, um, Shakespeare's um, Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. That's what happens. You pass it on so the next generation has the same feud. They have the same issue with the same types of people. 
So if they don't like this politics, they, you know, they have the same issue with that politics. They don't like money this way, they have the same issue with money this way. They don't like people who do this, they have the same, you, you see? So you have to be able, you know, Josiah's in the stage where he's going, is that good or is that bad? I said, oh, hold it, hold it, brother. You know enough now for you to tell me what you think it is. You tell me. Let's analyze it. Why would it be good or why would it be bad? You tell me. <laughs> because if we're not careful, we can train our kids up to just do what we want them to do. And they, never, they don't know how the answer came. They don't know how we got there. You understand? So at some point, we've got to help them to, to, to how to use the manual to come up with the answer. Right? So you go through the whole, you know, process. Is this good? You guys got this? Okay. So, in order to multiply, we have to multiply. We don't have, we weren't created to do anything else. So, if we're not multiplying well, we're burying something. And we're waiting to either go meet Jesus or when he comes back to explain what happened. (laughs) Look, there are billions of people on this planet right now, and there are billions in heaven and hell. I don't know what the split is, but we're not going to get the opportunity to explain ourselves like we think. I mean, there is a judgment seat of Christ, but that's not to, like, get your excuse. That's to give you your reward. You know, like, that's, that's, the, that's the tally at the end. So if we want to have a conversation about why we're doing things, we should have it now. Let's have the conversation with God now. And say, God, the reason why I don't think I could do this is because of this and that. And he will tell you how to get out of it. He will tell you how to fix whatever the thinking is that's causing you to think that way about yourself. You see? He will, he will show you a perspective you've never seen. But right now, all your decisions are based on your perspective that you know. You know, I couldn't tell you about, I couldn't describe in detail to you the national dish of Ireland. I don't know what it is. Even if somebody told me what it was, I still couldn't describe to you the real authentic ingredients that's put to make that dish. I mean, there might be knockoffs over here, but it's not the real thing. You understand what I'm saying? Well, it, well, in order for us to know that information, we should go to Ireland or find some, you know, the best of the best there that does it and find out from them the details, right? It's the same thing with the word of God. Don't take somebody else's bad impression of the word and then define it for your whole house. This is the problem. Your house, whether you're married, single, have kids, never had kids, your house represents what you are known to multiply, Look at Rahab. That girl could influence men. And didn't she influence? She sure did. She influenced them so well that her entire family of the whole country, only her family was saved. And she got to be in the lineage of Jesus. Think about that influence. You see what I'm saying? Her multiplication factor was influence. She did it well. You see? Look at the woman at the well. There's another influential woman. Her particular expertise was influencing men. Because she had five husbands. And the ones before, the one she was with now is somebody else's husband. Look how well she influenced him to come over to her side when he already had a wife. You see? But when she got saved, when Jesus, when she drank the living water, when she took what Jesus said... The whole town was influenced for something that would save their life, not break it up. You see, before, her multiplication factor was being used to break up families, to break up households. Now, she, in one encounter with Jesus, it got fixed. And she now brought the whole people out, and they got influenced to fix their households. You see? So the devil will take who we are and use it against our lives by doing the negative with it. Whereas God will take us and restore us back to the positive that we're supposed to do. You know when you put a negative in front of a multiplication? Well, if a negative number is being multiplied, everything in that negative multiplied gives you what? Exactly. 
the multiplication uh, factor there is a huge thing. It's not addition, it's multiplication, and that changes how numbers behave. It changes how things behave. It's more potent. It takes, it takes things higher or take things lower, right? Depends on what, what is added to it or what is removed from it. When we, when we um, come in with Jesus, it's positive. But if we add impurities of strife, unforgiveness, wrong judgments, it pulls it to negative. You see? And then the house gets multiplied on that factor. Right? So, God's word, we were talking about God's word, is already been tried. So, if you look at Genesis 13, 14, we're back in Genesis 13, and if we go to 14... After the solution of the strife issue, that's when the Lord said to Abraham, Abram, his name hasn't been changed yet. After Lot had separated from him, then the Lord said, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. North, south, east, west. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your, then your descendants could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the Meribeth tree, blah, blah, blah. And then, if you look at 14, this is where the kings were. And this is where there was a fight. Abram went and, um, you know, fought the kings. And then in verse 15 is where God set up the covenant with Abram, right? And um, I believe that's also where his name was changed. But notice that the name change... The vision for the future and all of that, it was actually in maybe 17 that his name was changed. Um, yeah, it was 17 that his name was changed. But here's the thing. The vision for the future, his name changed, and everything that about Abraham that we know today occurred after the strife issue was solved. You see that? And so your house may be held up from going further if there's a strife issue. It's probably held up from going further if there's unforgiveness dwelling in your land. If the love walk is not solid so people are sinking when they get to a certain part. When, if a certain subject is brought up, it's like the whole place goes to craziness. Identify those things and take authority over them. Okay? So the way we take authority over anything is by using the word of God and the spirit of God. So authority is taken by using, utilizing I should say, the word and the spirit of God. Okay? All right? So that means you got to read the Bible and you got to have conversation with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, your relationship with the Holy Spirit, your relationship with God, your relationship with the word of God should be strife-free. You should not have anything against the word. Or against the Holy Spirit. This woman, uh, years and years ago, that thought the Holy Spirit, when she came, she would say, she would like be like, it's all gibberish. She, you know, she didn't believe all this stuff here. But it wasn't to not believe it, it was like to mock it almost. 
well, things didn't work out too well in her life. Right? It's one thing to not understand the Holy Spirit and you endeavor to find out more. It's another thing to mock the Holy Spirit. That doesn't go well. Right? So you, what you don't understand, the Holy Spirit is not going to do more for you than you could understand if you can't understand. I mean, he'll give you more than you can ask or think. The Lord will. But like when it comes to doing things that you would be, that, would, that the results would harm you instead of help you, the Holy Spirit won't do that. Because he leads you into all truth and he is our perfect leader. So when he leads us somewhere, he's leading us to a place we can handle. You understand what I'm saying? So he's not going to take you into some place that you are lost. You're standing there all by yourself. You don't know what to do. If he takes you to a higher place, there'll be people there to help you. So you'll have people of like precious faith to help bring you up to the standard you need to be to sit in that place. You understand? So this is how you go from one thing to the next is, who, is the relationships that God surrounds you with. Don't take them lightly. Listen to, listen to their stories. Listen to their, uh, the things that have caused them to win. Listen. This is why it's good when you get together to testify of the goodness of God. People will pick up on that and go, wait a minute. I've always wanted to be able to do that. What did she say she did? You know what I'm saying? And then you have, you, ha, you know how a court case goes? Like when they, they, if a lawyer is presenting a case and then giving an argument for why their client should win, right? Generally, you have uh, paralegals and their job is to do research, to find precedence to support what the lawyer is trying to say. So then they could say to the judge, judge, based on this case, such and such versus such and such, there was a ruling that said, blah, 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 blah. Well, you can do it the same way. You could actually say, Lord, I heard this testimony today of this family who had this, this, and this happen. And then they had this result. I would like to get that type of result for my family. What should I do? Instead of, I can't believe that she got that and I didn't get this. And how is that? <laughs> when my mom got healed the first time of like complete cancer healing, all the cancer in her body just left. Um, there was a lady who was upset that my mom was healed and she's been trying to get healed for years. I thought to myself, you know, that's kind of wrong. <laughs> like instead of rejoicing that, wow, this is great. That means they're so, wow, look, somebody I know, she got healed. They were all mad because they, they, they've been trying to get healed for years and they didn't get healed. I mean, come on. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Those are the people you have to extend forgiveness to because that's just crazy. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? So, so you, the devil will give you enough visuals and uh, verbal activity to cause you to stay stagnant and to stay where you are and to not step out to the next thing and to give you comfort in mediocrity. The devil has lots of witnesses for that. You have to listen to the people of God who have stepped out, who did it already, and they're fine. As a matter of fact, they're better than they've ever been. You could do the same thing. And you have to, but you have to know who to listen to. Right? You have, don't be discouraged by the people in your life who are making the wrong choices all the time. Don't let their wrong choices affect your future. When you go and stand before God, nobody else is standing with you. Not a single person. You're given an account for what, you what decisions you made with your own life. And that's a key to always remember. You cannot. This is why when I, you know, in being involved in the lives of so many kids and stuff, you know, I'm careful that I don't hinder anything that they could do because I'm just surviving with them till they turn 18 and then I can say goodbye. You know what I'm saying? I have to be careful that I'm allowing them to have opportunity to say what they want to be when they grow up and not edit it for them. <laughs> you know, like, well, well, based on your condition, I would say at least you could hope for this type of job. No. You tell me what you were thinking. Well, yeah, what were you thinking? I can't tell what you were thinking. Let's put it out there. You see what I'm saying? 
Let's analyze it while it's outside your head. And then this is what you should start doing if you want to do that. Not say, well, you'll never get there because this is what you're doing. (laughs) Do you see the difference? So if you want to get there, you might want to start doing this and this and this. That will put you in the right direction to start getting there. Do you see? That's why when the young man said he really, his dream is to be an NBA basketball player. Like, really, like, oh, my gosh. And it's not like some fantasy. He really loves the game, and he's really good at it. We have a, he lit, there's a bucket tied with a string on a post. <laughs> Melissa's seen this bucket in front of the building, and that is his basket. And then I looked at the ball. I, that's what I know. I'm like, what happened to your basketball? Well, the kids were playing with it and got kicked out of the yard and got thrown somewhere. We don't know. So I went to the, the, the Chinese store, and I got this ball. It's a volleyball. And I look at it, and it's busted. The, the thing's coming out of it. And, but he's, every night, he's practicing. I think you like the game. You know what I'm saying? Like a busted ball isn't stopping it. No net is stopping it. Like to me, this person really has that in them. <laughs> and it's been happening. Every time I go, it's the same thing. So it's not like, was a, you know, like a, a fad for a moment. So now I'm thinking in terms of like, how do we get this kid to develop this thing that's a natural gift? And to get them where they need to be. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm thinking. So, you can't go, well, I mean, that's nice and all, but thank God he rescued you from whatever, and so now you're here safe, just let's calm down. No. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, so I had them do research. Like, what is the, because the concern I have is, like, how are these balls busting up? Actually, I think the other ball busted up. But because it's concrete, right? They're bouncing it on concrete. And I went, Oh, because the field, I think they have a coating or whatever. Even the outside playgrounds, they have like a coating or something, you know. Well, there's a, there's, that's not there. So these, so I was like, what's the highest standard ball? So they sent it to me. So I think it's like a $45 ball or something. But it's the, it's the type of material it's made of and it's gonna, you know, whatever. So my point is, I'm constantly thinking, I have to expand my thinking to accommodate all these kids who everybody think it's just good if they just like live, you know, and maybe graduate school. I'm not thinking that way. I'm thinking before they ever got here, there was a written plan. So my thinking is, what was in the plan? Like, Lord, show me what was in the plan. Now bring the roads, bring the things to, that, that I can hook them to the thing and let them go. You see what I'm saying? Somebody was asking about, like, what do I make the kids do that, um, that uh, like, how the girl went to school, you know, we paid. I said, here's the deal. The way I look at this is I don't make you serve some time because I gave. I think that's silly because the person could be in the wrong place. Like, you're holding them hostage in a place they don't belong to work for you or something. You know what I'm saying? If they shouldn't be working for you, that's Jonah in the ship. I don't want the ship to sink. You, you, like, we have to know our position in people's lives. They can't owe us. If, if God called you to help someone at a certain part in their life, you should release them from owing you. I mean, could you pay God back? You, like, we can't pay God back. So why should we have people pay us back? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, as a mandate. Like, the way I pay God back is to be grateful and thankful and, you know what I'm saying, and have a relationship with him. But I'm, God's not asking me to, you know, you better drain blood every day. I'm going to require so many pints of blood were shed for you. So you got, no, that's what the devil does, by the way. He requires blood from the people. But God, Jesus gave us his blood. You see the difference? So this is why I say when you, when God gives you an instruction and a ministry or, or an assignment or a family or children or whatever, you can't be thinking who owes you what. It's your part in their life at that moment. Do it and move on and let God tell them what he wants them to do concerning the thing that just helped me. You understand what I'm saying? It's like the, the lepers, you know, the ten lepers. One came back to say, to worship and give thanks. They were made whole. The rest got healed, but they kept going. You see? So it's the same principles in our life. We always should be thankful and grateful for people along the way that have helped us. 
But it sh- we should never get in a relationship, but you got to serve 10 years because you got given one and all that. <sighs> That's too complicated. I don't have time to keep up with all that. <laughs> That's too much accounting for me. <laughs> God keeps the accounting, right? So, so you have to release people through forgiveness with your love walk through non-judgmental, not judging a situation wrongfully, which I happen to do this week. I quickly fix that. And, and learn from every trap. Every time the enemy tries to set a trap for you to trip you up, learn from it. Take note of it so you never do it again, right? So he doesn't get to get you that way. Get better at finding him faster. Get better at seeing the trap like a mile away instead of before you take the step. You understand? You know, it's like when you're not used to it, you're like about to step on the trap and you go, oh, nope, saw the trap. But now you could see it could literally be lit up a mile away. And you're going, you know what? Before you get to that, you start speaking to it. It has to move. Do you see the difference? Right? But the same situation should, you know, and for me, falling in that little trap that was set, it could have derailed some of the things I wanted to do. You see how this, this works? It could have undermined my authority in the spirit realm for when I speak things and when I want things to happen. So one of the things I wanted was to make sure I didn't have to be in blackout. Like, I don't want, you know, so the whole time I was there. So I'm telling Mr. Harz this on the way to there, but he said, oh, actually, there was blackout while you were there, but it was during the day when we, when we were gone. I said it had to be when I was out of the place all the time because when I came back, I had Wi-Fi right away. He goes, yeah, when you were gone, when we were in town, there was a little bit blackout here and there. I said, good, it can't be there while I'm there. And the other thing I didn't want was no rain because that just complicates things. I mean, you try driving and that crazy stuff, with all, oh, it's just a mess. Well, here they want rain. <laughs> They're like, we haven't had rain for so long. We need rain. I said, hold it. When I leave, you're going to have rain. Well, as the, the night I'm about to leave, it starts drizzling that day. Light little rain, cool the place down. Just nice enough. <laughs> you see, I'm, today they probably had full-fledged rain because they needed. But I said, I don't want to deal with the rain. It's too complicated with the rain. So, well, when I leave, you understand what I'm saying? But... I could say those things with authority because I have authority and I don't hold things up against people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how else to explain it. (laughs) You have to have, you have a, a clear conscience. You could say things and have a, you could feel, um, you could be empowered to say it, and it's not arrogance, it's not pride, it's not, I'm going to show you. It's simply what you want to happen, you just say it. You see? So even though I didn't get the thing, the big business I wanted done, three quarters of it got done, which is a feat in itself. And in order for that to to happen, they had to reverse how they do things, which is another miracle. (laughs) Because that never happens. You understand what I'm saying? It got like four or five people involved having conversations with me, having emails with me where you don't get to do any of that. But you see, I found favor. I was able to walk in as much favor as the system would allow. And it will soon come to pass. Do you see? So we have to, we can't expect this huge thing from God when we can't do the little. This is what it comes down to. Like we want God to move heaven and earth. And we want him, and it goes back to the story where the crowds were following Jesus, expecting him to set up kingdom, and we will reign right away. No, and he had to change their perspective. And the perspective he gave them was, God's giving you things, and how you multiply it determines how many cities. It determines what you get to rule over. You see, that's what it all comes down to. We were called to rule and reign as kings and priests. But the thing is, why is it not happening? These little foxes might be spoiling the vine. And people get you caught up in their little stories. So, anybody who's ever talked to me, but anybody, I always turn it back on you. (laughs) I'm an expert at that now. (laughs) I always tell you what your part is and what you should have done. So, this way, 
actions could be taken right away because you can do something about you. You can't do something about everybody else, but you can do something about you. You can multiply with you and God. Here's the thing. The other person you need to multiply anything, God can bring them to you. But you got to fix your multiplier. So when they come to you, you're not multiplying strife and all this nonsense. You understand what I'm saying? If you've met with me and when you didn't know me yet and I stop you in your middle of your story and you get mad at me at first, I know it goes away. <laughs> when you see the results, it goes away, right? But if I agreed with you, I don't bring that part of multiplication with me. You understand what I'm saying? But if I agree with your strife that you're telling me about or just a problem that's just full of things, that's a problem for you. <laughs> because it'll start getting worse. You understand? Because I'm bringing it. So, so I, I cut it. I chop it up. I fry it up. <laughs> and then give you new strategy that you never, ever used before. And you put it in the place, and boom, stuff starts happening. You see what I'm saying? You have to be known for something. Don't be known for the listening ear of strife. Don't be known for the person that you could tell them anything. That's good and all, but what are they telling you back? <laughs> you know, if you have a person you could just tell anything to, and they won't judge you, well, you want to clarify that. Because... Maybe they need to stop you and say, no, you should not be doing that. Like it's one thing to be able to say something, but the next thing is what are you doing after you hear something? You understand? So, yeah, our time is up. I'm actually going to 830. All right. That's all I want to tell you about this. Oh, one other note. Strife is a sign that stagnation is present. And that's in um, Genesis 13, 7. Um, that's when it talks about the land was too great for, the, for both of them, Lot and um, Abraham. said, and there was strife and quarreling between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle. So if your children are fighting with each other, strife is being... Um, um, there's food in the house to feed strife if your children are quarreling with each other it means that um, the nutrition has strife in it well the nutrition of the house or the family line is, um, is supplied with the ingredients to keep strife alive let's put it that way so instead, what you have to get rid of that, and you have to put love in place. And that is every person gets valued for the level at which they currently reside. That's how you fix it. So if this person, they're always doing this. Okay, well, that means they can't do more than that. So you should only expect this from them. That's it. And then you pray for them to grow. That's love, right? But if you quarrel for them to get better, that's strife. You see the difference? If, if quarreling is how you're deciding to make them better, that's strife. And then if you have somebody in the family that agrees with the quarrel, now that's multiplication of strife. You see? So... That's the key to not, when new people are added to your family, you also have to take care of this because they might come in with their own management style of relationships. So you have to set the tone pretty quick, which I did recently. But I'm like, no, <laughs> we got to set up some parameters here. So, but you do it in a way of show and tell. Because remember, the reason they behave the way they do is because their frame of reference is, is what they do. What, that's what they've seen. So their frame of reference is of a certain way. So, for example, if they are used to, like, in order to get someone to, to favorably 
do something for them, they have to somehow manipulate 10 ways to get you to do something instead of just asking you and you say yes or no. And you're never changing no matter what sales pitch they give. That trains the person real quick. They don't have to do all that work. (laughs) They can find out real quick if it's a yes or a no and that's it. You see what I'm saying? So those that's how the love walk works versus strife is heavy on manipulation. Um, because remember, you're trying to get somebody to do something and they don't want to do it, so you start arguing and carrying on. That's the food of strife. That's like one of the highly nutritious elements of strife. So in our family, we don't do sales pitch. It's either yes or no. Tell me the bottom line. It's either a yes or a no. I mean, Josiah is the world's biggest negotiator on the land. So (laughs) there are some things that we nourish his negotiation skills by allowing him to display evidence. (laughs) But there's a thin line. So we have to say, no, we've said no. Daddy said no. Mommy said no. Nothing's changed. It's still a no. So once that is thought, you know, once that gets in there, then then (laughs) once that gets in there, then he learns, right? So he knows now, come straight out and ask, and that's it. You you don't have to plan a whole presentation, right? All right, everybody good? All right, let's close out there, Father, I thank you. For tonight, I thank you, Father, for woven. Thank you that these households represented here and at the sound of my voice, that they will be able to unravel any corruption, any um, any uh, ingredients that the devil has brought into their house that goes against the love walk, that goes against the word of God, that goes against the plan of God for that household. Father, we break every stronghold right now in the name of Jesus over households. And we we break up the plan of the enemy. All the big cities, all the high places, all the seats of uh, false religion, all the chairs of, of lowercase kings that have been set up over households to cause confusion, fear, intimidation, separation, to cause anger, to cause uncleanliness. Father, we break it down in the name of Jesus and we ask, Father, for a reset of those homes, a reset with the right ingredients, with the fresh word of God, with the freshness of God's word. We ask for those things to come into the atmosphere. And for these women to know how to multiply in God's kingdom way. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen.